Welcome to Big Cats and Big Opportunities. And this episode, we're going to be looking at nature and money and the connection between big cats and fat cats, if you will, the people who have the money, the institutions that are moving money around the world and trying to connect it with landscapes where big cats roam. And this is really important because unless we fundamentally change the movement of money, we may end up financing ourselves into extinction. My name's Andrew Mitchell. I started out hugging orangutans and trees as a zoologist, and I sort of now hug uh, asset managers and bankers. I founded Global Canopy in Oxford, which is a think tank on these issues, and I'm now vice chair of the task force on nature-related financial disclosure. We've got three great speakers to uh, talk about these issues today of nature and money. We've got Dr. Laurie Marker, who's founder and director of the Cheetah Conservation Fund in Namibia and a leading specialist in cheetah conservation worldwide. We've got Madeline Ronquest, head of environmental and social and climate uh, at First Rand Bank in South Africa, and Antoine Sear, who's head of company engagement at BNP Paribas, a global bank headquartered in Paris. So we're going to have a local, regional, and global perspective here. So Antoine, if I can come to you first, you're based in Paris, at the top of a major global bank. Can biodiversity ever get on the balance sheet of such a large institution as yours? Yes, the, the answer is yes. Uh, we have decided, for example, uh, to be able to assess uh, all uh, our corporate clients by 2025 uh, with a biodiversity criteria. This including the the, the five uh, pressures identified by IPBS in uh, in 2019. Uh, we have uh, adopted uh, particular policies regarding deforestation and ocean because we believe that the, the forest and the ocean are uh, ecosystems which are relatively easy to uh, to understand and and for this reason maybe uh, easier to protect. Uh, we are. Uh, uh, making biodiversity an important part of our sustainability uh, link loans. So yes, we we are uh, trying our best uh, to build value around biodiversity. Well, indeed, the um, the French banks really have been out in front on biodiversity, and even President Macron himself has taken quite a leadership role here. Uh, but uh, what do we do to bring the global banking? community together around these sorts of issues of making their footprint on nature uh, less nature negative and more nature positive? Well, uh, we need coalitions. Uh, we need uh, banks uh, talking uh, each other. For example, when you see how the Net Zero Banking Alliance was built in the beginning, it was coming from uh, from commitments that were uh, mainly um, European banks, and now you have almost uh, every American bank in the in the Net Zero Banking Alliance. Well, okay, let me turn to Madeline now. Tell us a bit about your work uh, uh, in um, First Rand and how you try. You know, why are these issues really coming up the agenda in your bank? Thanks, Andrew. Um... Yes, I think the one the one thing to start out with is that um, the reason why First Strand is able to play a thought leadership in the management of natural capital is because we have the full support of our sea level suite. 
The other reason, I think, is because we live in Africa, which is known for its selection of biomes and ecosystems and wild animals and the national parks. And uh, this is a big tourism attraction. And so a large generation of income for the countries in Africa. It's really important for us to work in this space. And although we've been looking at natural capital for a while now, in terms of ecosystems and biodiversity, oceans and water, um, life on land has stayed behind slightly. And this is an area where we should focus more. What has brought it up on the agenda, of course, is poaching of wild animals, poaching specifically of rhino. And there we've very successfully put together some funding mechanisms to help with conservation of rhinos. And I cannot see why we can't do the same for cheetahs and other big cats. So, Laurie, you've been working in Namibia for 32 years on cheetah conservation. Tell us about the challenges when you started and what's it like now? Well, when I started in Namibia, farmers were killing cheetahs and other predators, kind of like flies, like eight to 900 a year. Today, the world population of cheetahs is less than 7,500 individuals. They are found in about 23 countries, but out of that, um, most of the populations are under like 100 individuals. Namibia's population is one of the largest in the world, which is only about 1,500 individual animals. A lot of the problems facing cheetahs are loss of habitat, human-wildlife conflict with livestock and the illegal wildlife pet trade. Cheetahs are not an animal that live in protected areas. They're found mostly outside of these protected areas on some of the most arid landscapes in the world where there is drought um, and the people on whose land they are living with are livestock farmers, whether they're pastoral, nomadic, commercial, or communal. And with this, the cheetah and other big cats actually are a problem for people's economy and their livestock losses. Primarily what we've tried to do is to develop tools and um, help people live in harmony with nature, with the large predators, and that means good grazing management, good livestock management, uh, education programs like Future Farmers of Africa, and giving tools like the use of a livestock guarding dog, which protects the livestock from predators. Tell us a bit more about those livestock guarding dogs, because that was a really uh, interesting innovation that you brought in, and not everybody wanted to do it at first. Well, we started it back now about 27 or 28 years ago, and we used the Anatolian Shepherd and the Kangle dog. It's a very large dog. It lives in uh, very arid environments, and what it does is it grows up with the livestock, protects the livestock, and barks really loudly and keeps predators away. So it's a win-win situation. In this way, farmers can have their livestock protected. At the same time, predators aren't being killed by the farmers because the predators are staying away and are not um, killing their livestock. Thank you very much, Laurie. There is a new initiative which uh, both Madeline and Antoine and I have been working hard on over the last uh, 18 months or so. It's called the Task Force on nature-related financial disclosure. And this is getting down to some of the detail of how do financial institutions understand their dependencies and their impacts on nature in a reporting framework. Antoine, may I come to you and then I'll ask Madeleine, how do you think it's going to help BNP uh, itself in looking at nature and being able to report on its dependencies and impacts on nature? First of all, it will help us in uh in the dialogue of our clients. 
because uh, when uh, it's it's very much about uh, asking to our clients reportings to asking our clients to uh, uh, report with some practices to encourage them to do some uh, to say some uh, opportunities and having the the TNFD uh, uh, frameworks will help us to make them understand that what we are asking is really serious and that because uh, it is shared already by a relatively large number of financial uh, institutions it is something they can uh, they can build in what I- what is uh, impossible with uh, sustainability is when uh, one is asking something another one is asking something else the criteria of one are different you know it makes uh, it makes the our client uh, our clients crazy so um, we 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 need to help them and i believe that uh, tnfd uh, is definitely a, a fantastic uh, initiative to be to help us uh, to help our client and also to draw the lessons from our clients because our clients they are doing a lot and we need to 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 be able to draw from their lessons in a, in a language that we understand Okay, so Madeline, if I may turn to you uh, a little bit about TNFD, you also first round have been a, a member of this task force. And are you looking at, for instance, differentiating loans so that if the person does the right thing, they get cheaper money. If they do the wrong thing, it might cost them a little more. Absolutely. And um, I, I always think that a framework creates focus and concentrated focus on um so you have to disclose on what you're actually doing and that is one of the drivers so it takes it takes banks beyond just thinking about these things and actually applying the principles so standards create concentrated focus which is why the tnfd is such a good example the the forerunner the the task force on climate related financial disclosures has shown us that a focused concentration on climate change impacts has really impacted financial flows from the finance institutions towards a low carbon economy in many countries. And it also drives the commitments that was made at COP. And we're now seeking the same type of influence for nature related capital, which in many um, aspects, I think is more urgent than climate change because we've reached the the boundaries of nature um, far sooner. You know, in South Africa, the extinction rate, the threat status is at 22%. And these are things that cannot be created or recreated. I agree that conversations with our clients are very necessary. And I absolutely support conformity because if only one bank is trying to make a difference in this space, it really kind of confuses clients and um you know they they sometimes ask us why the next bank is not asking the same question and this is something where we can only have great success if we scale up response to protecting natural capital so yes um we do give incentives we also in the fortunate position as a developing economy that we receive funding from the World Bank and from other development finance institutions. And many of those are ring-fenced specifically for green finance and sustainable finance. And that means that it makes the capital a little bit more affordable for us, and we can actually pass on the benefits to our clients. 
Uh, let's think about innovation. What can finance and nature do together to bring money to help these landscapes? Now, just recently, a rhino bond was launched by the World Bank and uh, various other partners. And you get paid back. The success metric is more rhinos. So if you put money in the landscape, the payback is more rhinos. Do you think we could ever have a big cat bond or something like that that might help bring money to landscapes based on big cats? Antoine, do you have a thought about that? At BNP Paribas, we have created a, an impact lab, uh, which is working in my team, and which is fully dedicated uh, in finding uh, innovative solutions for uh, social or uh, nature-based uh, impact bonds. So yes, I believe that based on this impact bond uh, knowledge, we can certainly uh, contribute to a, a reflection on a big cat uh, project. But uh, at this stage, uh, it's really uh, uh, research. It's not something uh, you will uh, you will find uh, uh, in your uh, banking uh, uh, retail branch uh, net next week. Yeah? <laughs> Madel, uh, this is. Do you have any reflections on that and on innovation? What are you going to be having in the high street in Durban anytime soon or in Cape Town? You know, we're already doing negative screening, so we're not financing trophy hunting or canned hunting or handling of endangered species. We're already the transactional banking partner of the South African National Parks, and therefore we're involved in their community engagement and awareness and training and conservation programs. However, we don't have a ring-fenced bond for um, the big cats, and this is quite unique, and I think it will set us apart from our peers and although we have sustainable finance bonds, specifically one launched um, quite recently in Namibia, they are very broad and not specific. And this definitely gives us something to think about. I'm going to ask Laurie to come back now. And Laurie, you've, you've heard the big money speak. Could we have a sort of a new kind of finance bond where the payback was not cash, but more cheetahs? I think that would be wonderful. And with that, it really supports an entire ecosystem. Again, the, these big cats have very large ranges. And with it, you've got a huge amount of biodiversity that could be protected in these ecosystems where the big cats are living, like the cheetah, one of the largest ranging animals in the world. And with it covering these landscapes, which are very arid, um, a bond like that could be very, very supportive of helping not only the cheetahs, but all the farmers on whose land the animals are living. There you have it. We've heard from big cat people and we've heard from big money people. Uh, but one thing is just curious in my mind. What can we in the world of conservation do uh, to make our world more attractive to finance? What can big cats do to attract more fat cats to come into the landscapes and help finance what's needed so these big cats can continue roaming our world? What a sad thing it would be if we lost the tigers, the jaguars, of the Pantanal, the cheetahs of Namibia, uh, and so on around the world. This would be a huge tragedy. But, you know, in my lifetime, what I've found is a great difficulty here is that these two worlds don't intersect very well. We have different languages. We need to understand each other's language. No one in finance really understands why biodiversity should be on their balance sheet. But you know that's changing. More has happened in the last two years than I've seen in the previous 40 years because the finance sector is now realizing that the economy is dependent on services 
from nature. We had uh, just last year the Das Gupta Review, which came out and explained how nature is uh, a sort of series of assets providing services into our economy on which half of global GDP depends. This is very, very big money. It's a huge threat to the world. It's probably faster and bigger than climate change. And we can see that with COVID-19 that's turned all our lives upside down in the last couple of years. That's why uh, organizations like the Task Force on Nature-Related Finance, Financial Disclosure, are working to bridge those language gaps, create new definitions. The new language of nature and finance is going to be very important. We need new innovation like rhino bonds and big cat bonds in the future. We need to make sure that our loans are good for big cats so that we don't finance railways and motorways unless there are overpasses and underpasses that allow these creatures to get through their landscapes, which are cut up into pieces, which look good for transport but they're terrible for tigers. So these are the sorts of things that are coming down the pipe. I think it's been a good discussion. I remain optimistic and hopeful that we can get the job done because there's much more accelerated interest now than ever there was. So we've got to capitalize on that and use it. Thank you for listening to Big Cats and Big Opportunities. Goodbye. The Big Cats, Big Opportunities podcast is a production of the U.S. Agency for International Development in partnership with the United Nations Development Program, the Global Tiger Forum, and the Snow Leopard Trust. This episode is produced by Eric Steinhauser and edited by Joe Kell of Hiatus Post. Our audio engineer is Dave Rivera of Sticky Audio Labs. Our music is from Ash and Spencer. Please view the video version of this episode and other relevant content on the Big Cats Big Opportunities YouTube channel. 